Bajoran Conference. Plasma Storm. Oh yeah. They awoke to find themselves trapped in the past, facing mirror images that were not their own. And driven by an unknown force to change history for the better. Oh boy. It's time for the rules of acquisition. Hello, and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition, a podcast where we are talking about and going through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, uh, the greatest thing that we're going to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I didn't think, I, I rarely think of anything clever to say, but I didn't even go through trouble with it. <laughs> Anyways. My name, with that rousing introduction, is Wade Bowen, and with me, as always, is James Nolan. Uh, real quick, I just want to say, it's not a metaphor, people. She actually wants to fuck a fish. That's what the movie's about. <laughs> Get sick of people uh, calling it a metaphor. No, oh, it's a fairy tale. Uh, the metaphor is not the f- fish fucking. The metaphor is in the whole... But wait a minute. <laughs> oh, uh, that was James Nolan sidetracking... But we love to talk about fish fucking here. I, well, maybe yeah. not. I, if it, only Kirkwood <laughs> f- Smith fucked fish. Uh, yes. But also, we also have someone else here uh, by the name of Hugh Crawford. Hello. <laughs> and, uh, yes. And we are talking about an episode called, um, what was it? Is it Past Tense? No. All right. This this yeah. episode is called Things Past. Things Past. It is ep- it's episode eight of season five. It originally aired on November 18th, 1996, and here is the IMDb description. Cisco, Dax, Odo, and Garrick find themselves in the past when the Cardassians controlled the station, and a crime that Odo investigated may be the key. <laughs> Director, LeVar Burton. Huh. Right off the bat, guys, cards on the table. What did you, Is this a good episode, or did you guys like this episode? I need to know. Um... I I uh, think I have more uh, complicated feelings than I don't. It's boring as shit. It was so boring. <laughs> I, I liked some of it, and then some of it, I was like, hmm, okay, all right. But the thing is, if this is a low point for the season, it's pretty good as low point. Oh, I agree. I, it, it, I, I thought it was a bore. It was a. It was pretty. It was a slog to get through. I agree with James. Like, I don't have any complaints about it other than it was just boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i get the board but it, yeah well my complaints aren't even that it's because it's like we go back to Tarek noir and or do we it's the or do we that i kind of kind of get annoyed at but i do like seeing the station when it's under cardassian occupation that's fun is it <laughs> well it's it's fun if there was a good story to go with it yeah, yeah i guess it is i mean i mean it's, it, i mean this it had its moments yeah, but even even the crew themselves didn't seem that into it. At one point, Dax just turns at the at the other crewmates and says, "I'm out of ideas." <laughs> like she doesn't. <laughs> we're just like, why are we here? Well, th- could it be this, this, and this? And then she goes, "I'm out of ideas." I just ran out of speculation. 
<laughs> there's one point where uh, Cisco yells at Odo, just tell us what's going on. And I think it was like, it's obviously something to do, do with you. <laughs> just tell us like, what's going on. Let's move this motherfucking block along. Yeah, I feel like this. Yeah, I feel like Cisco's with the audience here that we just want to take. Right. Everything seems to lead back to you, and I want to know why. Obviously, you know something, motherfucker. Yeah. Just <laughs> spill the beans already. It was, it, that was a nice bit of the way to release the tension because it is like, wait a minute, it's a. All right, Odo, just fucking tell us. <laughs> what the fuck is this episode about? So it's all about Odo. This whole episode could have been called uh, Odo's Uncomfortable Looks. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So we open up with the scene with Garrick, and he, Garrick is laying out some wonderful both sidesisms on us, isn't he? <laughs> yes. I thought the Bajorans would be grateful to hear someone provide them with an opposing philosophical view. They're on their way back from Bajor, <laughs> yes. where they went to a conference talking about the Cardassian occupation. Uh, by the way, newly released from prison, Garrick. <laughs> so. Oh, right. It's I guess it's been six months since uh, whatever that episode was where he tried to genocide the changelings. Yes. And they've been, it's been a symposium about the uh, Cardassian occupation and they were gracious enough to let Garrick go along and give the opposing view. And he's like, I was going in there to tell them, like, hey, I thought they'd appreciate what I have to say about the occupation and how great it was. And they were all dicks to me. <laughs> and they're just like, uh, what? Yeah, it was a fucking occupation. Yeah. But Odo, they loved Odo. I don't understand. He worked for us. And he's like, well, he was. And he served justice or some bullshit. They all loved him. Yeah, he was a myth and legend of the, the resistance. But his only master is justice. That's how the Bajorans view it. That's him. a little retconning. Uh, I remember in the second episode, all of the Bajorans treated him like a piece of shit. Right. And were distrustful towards him. And that's 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 the media, you know. He's been... <laughs> since then, they've been... <laughs> the, yeah. You know, he, he was up in the... He was down in the polls then, and he's been up since then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I need to check the Nate Silver of Bajor uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. to figure out where, where public opinion is on Odo right now. But yeah, I think that... I think they had to retcon it to make the story work yeah that's exactly what Uh, happened right well i stand by yeah politics and stuff sometimes you're up sometimes you're down he's a hero now he's friends with all these resistance people the history sometimes changes sad you know it just seems to me that i don't odo doesn't make okay they picked at a scab that they shouldn't have because it doesn't make any fucking sense that's that's a good point even odo is like well i mean it's kind of the whole way this episode falls apart or falls together at the end is like Odo at the beginning is like shit I wasn't that great. I've nothing to be proud of I tried to bring order to a chaotic situation that's all. And they're like no you are and then at the end it turns out I like the ending a lot but it turns out that it's not quite as black and white as the Bajorans painted him to be an okay guy. But if you look at it like I mean it's just unrealistic that they would have left him in charge and if he was upright and stalwart enough to have been left in charge, it's unrealistic that the Cardassians, and specifically Dakot, would have let him operate in that way without getting his hands dirty. Well, that's the whole point. I mean, like, we see that this, I mean, that it just doesn't make any, but, it's never made sense, but, like, okay. we haven't had to think about it since the first two episodes. Okay, so what you're saying is that it didn't make sense at the beginning, because, right? So, it's never the whole made point, sense. The that, whole point that, is that they did think... He was neutral enough to be able to carry on. I mean, it's not like they changed their story. If that's 
it's what it sounds like. It sounds like you never thought it made sense. I think it's never made sense. But, and I think that the reaction to him from the Bajorans in the second episode of the old show made slightly more sense than what we've seen here. Because they didn't like him and they the Bajorans were generally distrustful of Odo. Right. In that episode. Right. But Kira isn't. And so Kira now gets to speak for all of Bajor. And everybody at the symposium. Where it used to not be that way. That's what, that's what I'm saying. It's, well, I mean, I, it's different headcanon. But it, I guess my point is it's never made sense to me why they left him in that job to begin with. And it's fine because it was five years ago. But you bring it back up in this episode just to make clear that it still doesn't. I mean, like. Surely they wanted Odo to kill more mother smoke more motherfuckers than those three people. Right. And the point is that the Bajorans saw that he fought against smoking other motherfuckers, and that's why they respect him. And why did that's just the Cardassians leave him in for seven years? Because that, they also respected I mean they, Well, because Cardassians like to order. Yeah, that that was the thing. They did address this a little bit. We can argue it doesn't make sense, but the story that has been set forth by the show is that both sides respected him. Right. And that's why he gets to stay in power. No, I'm arguing I'm arguing outside of that. I'm saying the logic of it doesn't make sense. You're right. I'm not saying that the show made a mistake. I'm saying right. that the logic is doesn't make doesn't sense make to me. sense to you. Okay. Yes. Well, that's almost always what I'm arguing. But yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying what the show said. There was a couple things that, that just like not story wise that I noticed about this episode at the top. One of them was, and I've kind of texted you. I broke our rule about saving it for the pod about Michael Dorn. Michael Dorn's wharf here lately, and these non wharf like. I feel like Worf shows up for the Worf episodes, but, but these, but the non-Worf episodes where he just has to spout off like, okay, have them in Pylon 4, Docking Bay 3, okay, put the shields up. I feel like he's, Michael Dorn's definitely going through, he's dialed it down a little bit, the Worfness. Yeah. Don't you think there's a sleepy quality to Worf in this episode? There may be. <laughs> I yeah. was Don Draper in the elevator, man. I didn't think about him at all. Do you remember, um... <laughs> Turning into Saturday Night Live after everyone of Tim Meadows' era left, but Tim Meadows was still on the show like six years after everyone left. Uh-huh. <laughs> I wonder if Michael Dorn feels a little bit like that. But he wants to be, he desperately wants to be there. He That's does, his but, whole thing. But right? okay, but I, don't, me, I feel like it's just, he just knows what he's doing and, he, and he's like, it's easy for him to just to fall, especially in an episode where he's just giving lines. He doesn't really have a role to play. He's going to fall back into just like, all right, yes, okay, this is me giving the lines here. It does. It feels like he can he could do this in his sleep, and he's actually putting that to, to the test. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, so you can you can look at it this I like to think, like, if you think about it as, like, an actor's thing. So they pluck these guys out of obscurity. They're all eager to have work, and they put their, they put their shoulder into it. And then the show starts getting popular, and people start getting, people start popping. Brent Spiner signs on to be an Independence Day, and, and so everybody starts popping and everybody gets a little more hopeful. Patrick Stewart's getting work. Uh, oh, I see. And so Michael Dorn is <laughs> like... Going, where you're going with this is that Michael Dorn's a man without hope and he's just depressed? Is that what you're saying? No, not that. But I'm just saying that you get in a rut, you know, like any job. All right. You know, and he had to like, yeah. you know, and he wanted to, to he wanted to keep it going because he likes, you know, it's probably pays really fucking well. And, you know, he knows what he's doing and he enjoys what he's doing and he likes the... He likes being famous to a small group of people. 
Um, well, okay, but and, and just last episode, you were arguing about how great he was. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm, I think saying, he's great. I'm saying, and in the, in the non-Worf episode, that's what I'm saying. He shows up for the yeah, he shows yeah, yeah, up yeah. for the Worf episode. Uh, yeah, my, my, I mean, the, sure, you may have been phoning this one in. Sure, yeah. <laughs> I think Cole Meany totally does the same thing too. Oh yeah, I agree. Yeah, sure. Was he in this episode, Cole? Nope. Nope. Yep. All right. I didn't think so. So, but yeah, these guys, they get zapped to They a, get zapped by a class two plasma storm. Right. And then they get stuck in a quantum leap situation. <laughs> yeah. It made literally a quantum leap situation. They they quickly deduce that they do not look like themselves, mm-hmm. but they, they don't have any mirrors. But they look like themselves to each other. Yeah. And what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> so, uh, right. at, at, at which point, Dax is like, I'm out of ideas. I just ran out of And she literally says, like, that's mm. something that nobody in the history history of star trek has ever like they've never written that line or <laughs> yeah. a character let alone the science officer says i don't know what's going on that's true i was because i mean other than that i like dax a lot in this episode there's some things that dax gets to do that i think she's great but you're right and the whole time it's like okay just show a fucking mirror so they can look into it and see the person that that's that, in every quantum leap episode <laughs> yeah yeah that, who is captain archer today yes. and we never got a mirror because i guess there's no fucking mirrors on the station eventually they get like a com badge and they can scan to figure out their identities or something but yeah and then we get little we get little images of them but we never get to see reflections like i was Really had my heart set on. Why wouldn't they? Yeah, that's almost that would almost like been nice. Yeah, that, part of me thinks the story was just told them the boringest. La- I, we're talking about how lazy Michael Dorn was. I think like the crew was pretty lazy on this one too. The thing is uh, that Lavar Burton, Lavar Burton's in a rut. <laughs> <laughs> this there's nothing about this episode that is not. I see what they're trying to do. They 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 show up with a premise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Odo was loved by both sides, and then they spend the story tearing down that premise. And then at the at the same time, you get some supposedly good character work out of Odo, right? Mm-hmm. You move the right. show a fuller picture of who he is and what he's been through. Yeah. There's yeah. nothing wrong with any of this stuff. Yeah. It it's was just angry. wasn't compelling. This is from an ex- scene to scene. This is an execution th- issue. Most of yeah. this episode wasn't i found the end scene very compelling sure but that was yeah the one with kira are we talking about the one with kira yeah yeah but well, well it's almost yeah. like the wharf it's almost like the wharf on rice's scene where he gives that speech oh, yeah. it almost pays off the whole episode yeah so you kind of forget about the other stuff i guess i like this but I didn't like that scene in the last episode, I'm personally. The, but I'm the opposite. It's a taste. I'm the yeah. opposite. What? You didn't like the wharf? Oh, that's right. You didn't like the wharf scene. No, I've told you about that. It's like fucking. That's it's right. The Gremlins. Uh, my dad. I got gotcha. you. Why I hate Christmas scene. That's how right. I found out that there was no Santa. Claus. But you know, wharfs. I mean, the the Odo scene at the end is sort of like, tell me you've only fucked, you only cheated yes. on me once. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's what I thought. It and was. he's like, oh, there may have been us. Uh, you can't be yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, I want to. I want to talk about that scene when we get to it but uh, all right yeah my bad we got kerwood smith he man. shows up is and she he, fake he got, pregnant in that scene or did they build that before? she's fake pregnant yeah, i'm sure she's, she's fake, fake pregnant because yeah. uh they had the baby prematurely on one of the episodes and then to episode four or whatever so unless they shot this one beforehand i'm that's what i'm asking did they shoot it out of order or did they fake well, pregnant her? that's your job man <laughs> I, I don't know it doesn't say <laughs> everybody else was bored with this too they didn't have a lot to say about it <laughs> but kira's not in most of this episode that's true yes yeah so they wake up they've been on the station and nine years ago apparently and 
Thrax is the previous security officer is there. This guy that's talking to Goldicott. It's been at least nine years. One of the other Bajorans is like, what the fuck are you doing? Wake up. Show some dignity. This is why the Cardassians think we're shitheads because we're like lazy and drug addicted or something. If you're going to spend the night taking chemicals, stay off the promenade. Uh, Garrett gets punched in the nose and then back on the real DS9, they're all comatose and they, Garrett gets punched and he bleeds mole sauce out of his nose. <laughs> well, wait a minute. We do have a scene where everybody asks Dr. Bashir what's wrong with him. And Dr. Bashir is like, I don't know. And then they ask him again, what's wrong with him in a different way? And he goes, well, at the risk of repeating myself, <laughs> I don't know. Right. He's like, there's like an absence of neural activity in the cerebral cortex. <laughs> so here we get. More stalling. Here more again, stalling. Dr. Bashir, <laughs> Dr. Bashir is met with a medical mystery and uh, he comes up. He comes up nil. I have some reading to do. He's got some ideas. He's like, he's got some. Well, ideas. there's now there's neural activity now, and Gary's got mole sauce coming out of his nose. So maybe there's some psychosomatic thing going on. He figures that much out. So they're probably not gonna break an arm or anything, but he could have like an embolism or their heart could stop because they're experiencing something somewhere, and we don't know why. So he, he figures that much out. Kudos, good job, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Kirkwood Smith shows up. We don't know why Kirkwood Smith's in. I mean, like, yeah, yeah he growls like, and grouses a bit throughout this. Yeah, we've talked about what a Cardassian. There's certain physical nature to your body. Yes, that you have to do is sort of rock a Cardassian. Kirkwood Smith think that guy. Yeah. No, I wonder. It's like they don't put. It's like maybe they get like Kirkwood Smith's like. Fuck you guys, I'm not putting on the whole upholstery. Just give me a jacket with some shoulder pads, but I'm not wearing that crab outfit. <laughs> he, yeah, he wasn't carrying himself in the usual manner. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he was trying to show that there was something different about him because he's really Odo. Right. right. But most of the time, the Cardassians, it's like a, the old plastic He-Man armor where you got the two pieces that snap together. Right. That's what the, mm-hmm. the Cardassian outfits are made out of it feels like yeah they're he-man toys kind of almost but his was different yeah because i guess they're setting him up as a different kind of guy cisco is a 38 year old bajoran electric engineer and they're all from the rakantha province and then garrick is like oh i'm an artist and i've been arrested three times for disturbing the peace also from the rakantha province named jular gueta oh and then dax has been singled out by Dukat, which we'll talk about in a moment. And Odo knows exactly who he is. I'm a bookkeeper. I'm 46 years old, and my wife and two sons are in Rakantha province. And they're like, well, how do you know? And Odo was like, I don't want to talk about it. Right. Most scenes end with Odo knowing something and everybody asking him, how do you know it? And he doesn't want to talk about it. <laughs> he was like Lisa from the room. He was like Lisa from the room. I don't want to talk about it. Anyway, I've got to go. <laughs> right. I don't want to talk about it. He's seeing some dead guy or prob- possibly something ghost guy that nobody else saw. It's a lot of weird shit that just Odo sees and they don't. And they're like, what? Yeah, stuff that tips you off that it's probably all happening and you know, because of him. In Odo's head, yeah. Right. But then if it's all happening in Odo's head, like Dax gets singled out and taken away, and she's experiencing things totally without Odo there with Dakot. I thought Dax was great in that when she gets singled out and gets taken away, she's like, no, 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 I can handle it. And 
the rest of them are like bumbling around wondering like, geez, I don't know what the fuck's going on. And everybody is like, hey, dumbass, like Quark takes them for work. It's like, hey, idiots, do this thing. And they're like, wah. There was Dax is in a in a situation she doesn't understand. She immediately like when Ducat asks her, her her name, she's like, uh, what's a Bajoran name that I know? Oh, my name's Lita. And then she re- and she's playing this demure kind of very shy, like she knows that a Bajoran would be acting. And I don't want to talk about discovery, but <laughs> talk about when like somebody grooming somebody. Ducat in this. Yeah. This really sets up Ducat's kind of role as uh he has a thing for Bajoran women and he's like, Oh, get me some canar for two. Uh this is his old yeah, that's an old you know, because he's got a love child that's that's half Bajoran. It really right. just we, we we know that it's happened, but we haven't seen him like the fact that he's just picking out people and saying, bathe her and bring her to me, basically. Just the way that we know that he's got a thing for Bajoran women, but we haven't seen it in action. I thought sure. this slimy Dukat. Other than him hitting on Kira in the past. Right. But this is like him from a position of power taking someone. Bathe her and bring sure. her oh, to yeah, me. Yeah. Like, I'm a complicated man. People don't understand. My position is a lonely one. I need friends. <laughs> I require someone to talk do to, we, you we, know. Do we think that like Kira had to you know that Dax had to fuck him. No. Yeah, yeah. I think he's prancing her around like she's a prize. Later, it just seems like I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't want to think that either. It's it, it takes the whole damn episode to a strangely dark place. I think also since it's probably all in Odo's mind, he can probably in some subconscious way edit all this shit. Well, the way that I saw as gross as Ducat is, he's insidious to where he's not gonna just like he's gonna make it. He's gonna take his time with it to where. He can really totally, because he still thinks she's this vulnerable, shy, scared Bajoran. He's taking his time with it, I feel like. He's really going to wait to really Stockholm Syndrome or, you know, like, it's like, oh, no, no, you can have some Yeah, he's got a whole method to his bullshit, yeah, yeah, is yeah. what you're saying. Yes, yeah, he, yeah. he lays it all out. He's very deliberate. He's gross. Also, was it not and a? It's really was it not a taboo to, to openly fuck? No, they called it like comfort women and stuff, right? I mean, that's these kind of situations. It's always been a. Ta- it's always happened, but they didn't call it that. But they had a word like that. What when in World War Two? No, in the in the show. Whenever they they will they will yeah no they've brought it up in the show. Well, no, I mean even we we go back to season two when uh, we've got what's his name the right the man who shot Liberty Valance when they're rescuing him from the prison planet. Even Kira goes up and is like hubba hubba, and it's set up that Cardassians find Bajoran <laughs> women attractive. Sure, but I just feel like that. I, I feel like that that. I they've don't know, doing it they've hinted at I, it. I guess I'm saying that when he found out that he had a love child, but when they went home and he had a love child, it ruined his fucking life. Right. Right, because you're not supposed to... Yeah, but he's like put, parading her around there in front of everyone. That also would have seemed to have been compromising to him politically. Well, I think it's a power thing. Like, I'm sure it grosses out some of the other Cardassians and stuff, but it's also like he's the, he's the head guy. And as long as he's not quote-unquote in love with them or has a kid or anything it's fine you know it's 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 not 
cool what he's doing, but Cardassian, I don't know. It really doesn't even play that much of a, st- a part in this story. Nope. <laughs> that's, the, that's the whole thing, is that other than showing that Dax is in a little bit of peril. To do a reverse. But she later saves them. Yeah, to do a reverse that she was the whole time she was playing it like a pro. Well, that's what I like right. in the later scene when it cuts to it. She's been, this first scene, she's been like all demure and, and, and afraid. And the second one, she's after she gets blowed up, she's just like stuffing her mouth and is like, oh, I'm hungry. And you can see that there's time has progressed and she's just been playing his game well enough. And he's going off monologuing about how like, oh, they're, you're, they're like my children. And bad manners are the fault of the parent, not the child. My weakness is I'm too generous, too forgiving. And she's, oh, you've got a big heart. And she does the two-handed punch and a, and a big ego. And I don't know. I like Dax a lot this episode. And as much as anything happened in this episode, the Ducat stuff, I liked what it did with Ducat in this episode. Just setting up, seeing how he aggrandizes himself and the show well, here there was a real moment there was a real moment at the beginning where they're talking on the promenade and they noticed Ducat up high and it felt like there was a real weight to it mm-hmm. it was like Ducat's here oh shit you know that was like a real moment with a weight but it never really pays off later you know he's Ducat's really not the heavy in this episode no he's not but I just like the world building I guess oh I guess that just is something that just knowing what it was and and setting up how Dukat, the evilness of Dukat kind of sitting in it, I thought this episode helped. Did you like this episode better than the Rise episode? Um, yes, yeah, sure, I did. Okay, yeah, the Rise episode sucked. Everybody hates it except for you. <laughs> no, I mean. I- <laughs> Uh, All right. Well, I I would say that I don't think that season eight has had a had a bad episode. Yeah. Like I there. This is not my favorite episode, but it's still amazing to me that they're doing this well this deep into the season still. Yeah, I don't think this was the best episode either, but I found a lot of stuff to enjoy in it. I don't know. I felt it was a little bit of like a back to the. This could have been a season two episode. This would have been one of the best of season two. Yeah, yeah. Like (laughs) this would exactly. It would have been a really good season two episode well okay but it's basically just a carbon it's just a sequel to necessary evil which is a season two episode yeah which was one of the great uh, which is 15 or 20 times better than this episode so yeah yeah i I, this one does have a a few shades of other episodes yeah Yeah. i'm not saying this is better than necessary evil even i'm just saying i thought necessary evil was great and yeah it's kind of playing Oh, people liked when we went back to Tarek Noir. Let's do that again. And yeah, they may not make as strong an episode because they don't have that Peter Allen Fields to write this one. Uh, oh, don't you miss that guy? Yeah, this is Michael Taylor. It did seem it was just it was just a sluggish. Yeah, episode. it was a little bit and, and sluggish pacing wise. Where are we in our recap here? Uh, we're at the point where they basically Kurtwood Smith is is putting the screw. Where are we post explosion? Well, we before the explosion, they call the Bajoran resistance guy by doing some cloak and dagger shit to turn a pot over upside down, like some Cold War signaling kind of thing. And and Garrick is like, really? That's all. That's kind of shitty. And they're like, well, we did it for years and nobody caught on. And Garrick is like, well, I would have caught on. I wasn't here. But Dakot's a dumbass. That's why it worked. I like that. But. The main thing I noticed is, and then the Bajoran resistance guy sits down and because they're like, we got to get off the station. And it's like, well, maybe we can do that for you. But if you're high on chemicals or you've done something like petty crime, killing, hurting another Bajoran, we're not going to go down for that. 
But, you know, if he did something cool like killed the Spoonhead, and Garrick is like, Spoonheads, that's a slur. Yeah, and then Garrick gets all heated. Spoonheads. That might be the first time we've heard Spoonhead on Deep Space Nine, yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. I do think that this was the scene where it's like, oh, this this episode could get good. Yep. Um, I, yeah, I completely agree. <laughs> it's, it's got some cloak and dagger shit. The dialogue was finally popping. Yep. And there was an interesting character in this like Han Solo Bajoran and, and explodes and then just never go back to it. Yeah, he never <laughs> comes back. Yeah, and then Dax gets hurt. We talked about that. Uh, then Kurtwood Smith is in the brig and it is kind of boring because it's not really... Of any consequence, but he names all these different Bajorans Mm, and says, mm, Carapolis, mm, Rin Tusk, Marat Kobarar, five years hard labor. I get the feeling that they wrote the script. You, 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 and you. Bronto Neck, Fine Paid, Lobo, Horace, Ramara, Pelin, Graham. (laughs) And now our podcast has all this stuff to do. Yes. I wrote all this shit down. I just want to say the names. I don't know about you, but I'm finding it fascinating. Yeah, it was the moment where I, there, I feel like that probably the writer wrote the story in 20 pages. And then he was like, script's usually 60 pages. <laughs> it's, I feel like the that's I don't, well, it seems like there's a lot of the TV writer's equivalent of, you know, when the paper's due in an hour and you, you make the font. 13 point font, uh, <laughs> 1.5 inch spacing. Well, it could be either that or uh, somebody wrote a 100, 200 page Bible on Bajor and the occupation and just wrote down all these names and stuff. And they're like, there's not a story here. <laughs> it's like, okay, oh, yeah. fine, I'll cut this out here and here's this other thing. But yeah, it doesn't actually have much of a narrative to it. Uh, yeah, I don't. I, I wrote 20 pages on chambered plasma grenades and <laughs> ballistic uh, angles. No. What this episode could have used, maybe? Uh-huh. It needed a, like, the story's pretty lame. The story, in a nutshell, is, is lame as fuck. It's a reminiscent to Odo let three innocent men get murdered because he didn't have the balls to stand up to the Cardassian hierarchy. Yeah. But that, that could be an element. Of a bigger story. Yes. Right. Where our lead characters have to, you know, do something. Right. Well, we said it was Quantum Leap, but on Quantum Leap, he's got to do stuff in those episodes. Yeah. That is a problem of this episode. It's just he has to come to a realization about himself and that fixes everything, which is not the most active. That's not even true. It is, though, because he has he to. He realizes he did it before. He just thinks about well, see, it no, that's, and includes his buddies. It, no. he, he accidentally includes his buddies. That's too. the element. That's the Charles Dickens ghost of Christmas Pat's yeah. element of it is that he actually comes to a realization and right. then that's what re- liberates them from their nightmare. And it's also, it's all personal. It's about him. What I like about it. And you Charles Dickens realizations, uh, Faulkner heart and conflict with itself kind of bullshit. It's <laughs> it's not that he's afraid of the Cardassians. He sees it as a fault. Of, he was hung up on his own changeling sense of order instead of justice to where he's like, but, oh, but my- I thought these guys were. It's not that he knew that they were innocent. He just didn't do the due diligence until three days later when that bomb goes off. I think you're missing my I, point. No. My point is, is that Odo realized this at the beginning of the episode we did oh, right right but the thing that fixes the resolution isn't him just realizing it no it's him owning it even to himself 
and when his friends are in this situation, they're just like, Odo, what the fuck is the deal? And he can't tell them because he can't own what he's done. Yeah. And he has to own what he's done up to them even. And that's what gets them out of the situation. And I agree, it's kind of lame. It's not the most active and it probably should have been a more active thing. But yes. as just like a character thing for him, I do like it confession is good for the soul yeah that's basically the lesson of it well and then it forces a larger issue at the end right but yeah where he has he's he's responsible for the deaths of innocent bajorans and now he's got to deal with it that blood on his hands with his bajoran friends yeah that's that's what sold it for me and i do agree that that's kind of a lame way that that's what resolves the episode until kira comes in i really like the last moments with Kira. Oh, and then, so basically the, the techno babble explanation that uh, Bashir gives him is that the plasma storm activated enzymes, morphogenic enzymes in his brain that initiated, <laughs> basically they've been in the great link the whole time. Right. They, it, turns they out, actually, it, it turns out that the, the founders do shitty, shitty work when it comes to punishing people. Right. <laughs> or do they? Or do they? Yeah. Mm. Right. No, they do. It's pretty impressive. The fact that they made him a solid and maybe they knew that there'd be a plasma storm that would do this to him or maybe not, but it didn't work perfectly. Plasma storm sets off all this, activates his morphogenic enzymes and initiate a telepathic response that reaches out for all the changelings nearby, but there aren't any. So it puts everybody into a coma and puts them in this experience that they're forced to relive. And Bashir is like, it's a fascinating paper, but I guess I will for one time respect uh, your confidentiality and not write it. (laughs) That's right. And Odo has written a paper about it, apparently. He's written a report, so he's owned up to what happened. And it's the whole thing is like, at the beginning, the Bajorans were so proud of him because he was just and didn't kill innocent Bajorans when the Cardassians would have loved him to. And it turns out... That he did in this instance. And, and that also to go back to Discovery, part of this was like, if Discovery displayed this amount of nuance with its uh, compromised characters, I would have been a little bit happier. As far as grooming women, that's gross, and we see how gross it is, and instead of just saying it's gross, uh, but I don't need to belabor that. Yeah. But also, Kira when she realizes that Odo is kind of compromised, that he actually did put these three Bajorans to death just to keep order and not to see justice done. She's just like, look, man, I believed in you. I thought you were better than this. And he's like, I know I thought it was too. And he has this little emo moment, but, but she's like, I don't know if I can, instead of like Michael Burnham talking to her foster dad and saying, no, you, it's okay that you almost genocided a planet. You, you were really stressed out. You were under a lot of stress. Right. (laughs) Kira doesn't buy that shit. She's like, yeah, I understand you were under a lot of stress, but you just got to promise me that you didn't do this. These are the only people that died and you learned a lesson from it or something. It's like, and you know, I guess anybody that lived through the occupation had to be, it come out a little bit dirty. I understand that. (laughs) And it's like, I guess I'm just an imperfect solid now. Yeah. And he's not sure. And it's left instead of like, we cool. It's, you know, that classic Peter Allen Fields ambiguous ending, except it wasn't as good as a Peter Allen Fields. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, It wasn't pretty much it. So the the major crime of this episode, beyond all other things, is criminally underusing Terrence Bodiger for any reason. Why 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 give Kurtwood Smith this role 
if this is all this role is. You give him good roles. So I hated it. Like, I, I just wanted to see Kirkwood Smith be Kirkwood Smith and, and have a good time. That would have been fun. Yeah. But instead, that's not what happened. He did get the, uh, he's quoted as saying that, I guess they liked my performance in this episode for what it was. (laughs) Enough to give him, I guess I've never seen Voyager, but I know that everybody talks about how great the Year of Hell episode is. Mm -hmm. And I guess he's the lead in that episode or a major character in that episode. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. I mean, he's got a fine uh, history of, you know, he was in Undiscovered Country. Yeah. So yeah, he's uh, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of character actors that Star Trek can pull from at any given moment to be great. Right, right. A lot actually from Robocop. I was looking at all of the Lobo oh, yeah. Robocop alum that were in uh Star Trek episodes and Captain whatever his name is from fucking Chain of Command. Oh Captain Jellico, yeah. Yeah, and then Peter Weller is in right. you know, evil Kelvin, evil admiral. So, oh right, right. They they could have gotten they could have gotten Miguel Ferrer. They could have found a place for him in the show. Uh, <laughs> Nancy Allen. I'm sure they could have stuck her. So I mean, basically, we like to congratulate Star Trek for employing RoboCop actors, but they could have done better. <laughs> Ray Wise. I don't think it's ever been in the Star Trek episode. That's that needs to get corrected now. Uh, that guy that says I'll buy that for a dollar. <laughs> oh right, right. I buy that for a dollar. He might be on. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm lo- I'm looking it up. It's not no. You know, you know who uh, did get cast in this episode? I don't know any of their names, but we saw for all those people that complain when they see. I, well, I've been on Reddit too much. There's a lot of black Bajorans in this episode. There is a lot of black In fact, there's like a whole black Bajoran family in the jail cell and, and the time-stretching scene. Yeah, they were all sort of black Bajorans, I believe, weren't they? Uh, I don't know. This, this uh, I'm not sure. This episode, by the way, is criminally underlit. Because they're on Turek Noir. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Terry Farrell bitches that she had the, after the explosion. She said, I, I spent hours and hours in a makeup getting all of these like cool injuries put all over my body. <laughs> yeah, you can't see anything. You never see them in the episode. She's got some like ash on her. And when she's in the eating scene, she's got some <laughs> shit on her face. Like, yeah, yeah. But like, they, they were apparently some pretty elaborate things. So, yeah. Uh, I feel like. To the nerd corner in me, it was like, there was so much, I was fascinated by all the, like, what it meant for changeling physiology and how the Great Link worked. Oh, man. <laughs> but, uh, you were a lot more impressed with it than me. I thought, this is some horseshit bullshit. Right, well. I have to, like, explain why they got minds at. It just brought up more questions for me. Like, so, okay, so when they're my, when they're in the Great Link, are they separate amoebas since they're all brain telepath? And I get the feeling that they're whatever the story needs. And that's <laughs> yeah. the kind of thing. That's the kind of thing I hate. Yeah, you're you're probably. Can you suck solids into the Great Link? Because that's what he did, right? Apparently, only if there's no changelings around, that it'll just go to the brains. That, but it's bad for them. It puts them in comas. Maybe it's not the Great Link. Maybe it's a, a lesser link. Like <laughs> yeah, they're it's... they're children of a lesser link. <laughs> it's sublinks, maybe or un, you know. Right. Well, because it made me think. What would happen if you got a Vulcan or a telepathic or or a uh, Betazoid mm-hmm. in there? Would they have responded quicker than these other human? That's like I said. That's very nerd corner. 
It just brought up a lot of questions for me. They probably would have. Yeah. They probably would have had to deal with it story-wise, too, if they had, like, Deanna Troy in there or whatever. Right. And if uh, Bashir were a better doctor, I feel like this would be a whole uh, route of research to go into, <laughs> especially when we get into later shit with the changelings. Like, well, oh, wait a minute. If we can all communicate telepathically with a great link, this would be a really interesting avenue of research to go down to, especially when we're in... Uh, Spoilers, or, there's a war. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you could uh, But you're right. It's just what this episode. Do we need to move on to the what everybody would where did they put this on the rewatch meter? Uh yeah, let's do that. Y'all are pretty low. I mean sometimes uh sometimes I can't sleep at night. Uh and <laughs> 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 I might, no. Uh this is a one. I think this episode's boring as shit. This is yeah. my first uh season. This is the first episode five episode that's soundly in the fuck now column for the wine album. <laughs> right. So, right. Uh, yeah. I, I can't imagine ever wanting to watch this episode, too. I think this is a pretty much a, a one for me as well. It's as low as I can go on the rewatch meter. See, I, I can see if I... It, it's a subset of rewatch. Like, well, like if I watch um, Necessary Evil and I'm like, oh, man, I want to watch all these Tarek Noor episodes... I'll probably watch Necessary Evil and then I'll go to some or two or three that are after this one and then maybe I'll get to this one. So yeah, so how so that's pretty low for you, right? Yeah, but it's more than a one. <laughs> It'd be like a six, man. All right, that's fair. It doesn't have the, the I mean, as a sequel to Necessary Evil, which is what they intended to do, and that's what Rick Berman told them to write. They didn't want to write this episode. Right. That's what I don't like about it. Is it Necessary Evil is about the relationship between Odo and Kira and the links that Kira was having to go to to be like that sort of spy and wartime stuff. Right. But also like it was grounded in like that they had this very personal moment. There was nothing like, I don't know, like they, the only way they can even get any value out of this is echoing that in the last two minutes of this episode. Right. That's that's the part that I like. Well, and that that's the whole thing is that. They can't have that uh, any sort of punch with Kira because they're hamstrung with not being able to write her into the episode except for two minutes. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the biggest problem, and it's a huge problem, like this episode is basically, but it was all a dream. Mm. And that sucks when you do right. that. But so, your boss was in the dream, so you have to like write a report. <laughs> right. It was all a dream that we shared, but yeah, it's it's bad. Do you guys want to guess who wants to go first on and what the good people of IMDb mm. think of this episode? Six point four. So I guess I wanted to do it first. All right, you got six point four and uh, hold on. Um do you want to go higher or lower? I'm gonna go lower because I thought this was more well, no. Uh, I'm going to go 6.6. I'm going to go higher. 7.5. Wow. People like this episode. Ugh. Yeah, I I told you, like, people were excited to go back to Tarek Noor. So, yeah, I'm not surprised. Yep. Odo revealed. Yeah. Yep. And I liked I liked what it did with Odo. I just think it sucks that it turns into a, it's an all dream episode. That's lame. Uh, I think that it just had some pacing thing. Like it could have been short up here and there, tightened up a little bit. I, I like it's not a bad episode outright. Yeah. It just has a few little things that make it drag its heels. All right. Do we want to do go back to an old favorite real quick? Do you have a what would you fix about this episode? Or how would you fix it? Okay, I just so happened to have wrote a 42-page treaty of how <laughs> oh, I would have fixed shit. this Never now. mind. No. It's a bonus podcast. <laughs> I, would have, I would have not made it this dreamy shit. 
I mean, the core of the episode's not broken, but a first off, there has to be some adventure to the plot. I guess why I kind of got a little like perked up. Like I, I, I opened one eye right when the scene with the the Han Solo character uh-huh. like sat down and and that was like fun. <laughs> and then like that went away. And then it right. was just everybody talking in jail sales for the rest of the episode. <laughs> yeah, and magically appearing or magically disappearing. Yeah, they run to a docking port and then they're back in the jail yeah. cell and you're like, oh shit. Mm-hmm. This is all in his head. None of this matters. Fuck this episode. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, yeah. And so I, I, I would have tried to find a better framing device that would allow you to actually tell the story. Yep. Like time travel or some shit. I don't know. Yeah, Fuck that's it. what I would... Then maybe they were scared to go back to the time travel well. Oh, yeah, they didn't. They they said they absolutely didn't want to do that. They refused Rick Berman's pleas to do this episode for two seasons until Michael Taylor had the idea of whatever the hell the fucking last... Whatever. Uh, Odo linked them or something. And so they and they were like, fine, that's good enough. And then like did that. Yeah. So I see why they decided they probably we don't want to go back in time again. Mm-hmm. But it was all a dream. That sucks. Don't do that shit. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> go back in time. Go back to that well again before you go to the But yeah, like if you're gonna have a Tarak Noor scene with Cisco and people actually in Tarak Noor, you gotta make it better than a dream. Or do the <laughs> like do that. the thing. I mean, I don't know. Or have like a current day situation that makes Odo have to come to terms with it. Right. Isn't well, that how they isn't that how they always write these kind of episodes? Right. Yeah. Or if you're gonna go back in time, do what the episode set up to where they are inhabiting the bodies of these previous people. But that's thrown out the window when we're all in Odo's mind. Because I said they quantum leaps, but they didn't. Because those people never really exist because it was all in Oda's head. No, they were the people he killed. I know, but they weren't actually the people. Like, what I'm saying is, they're like, oh shit, we somehow went back in time and we're in these other people. They were in a simulation. They weren't actually, like, where they could. Yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah, whole thing yeah. was... A, and when it came untenable, then the simulation changed, yes. Yeah, exactly. So, right. if you wanted to pull the cop out of, like, if they can't, if you can't send Cisco bodily to the past... At least do what you said and send his mind into the past. Then then call it some profit bullshit or something and do that. Mm. But you're taking all the stakes out of it by making it it was all a dream. That's that's just dumb. Don't do that. So that's how that that was my how would I change fix this? Yes. Frame better framing device. Yes. Or stick to the one you you said. Mm. All right. Well, what do you guys think? Uh, that's pretty much it for this week. Yeah, well, next week, uh, Nog moves back home. Jake and him get an apartment together, and Nog tries to talk Jake into uh, uh, that it would be more pleasurable if they both mutually masturbated. <laughs> You've been so reading that? That's look- what we're looking for next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Right. No, it's, a, it's that plus a Quark Odo plot. They're in the Bear Grylls movie. Oh yeah, that's they gotta drink. Oh yeah, they gotta drink their pee. Yes, yes, <laughs> right. And and Jake and Nog are talking about drinking their pee in a different context. Yes, yes. <laughs> B plots are interacting. <laughs> Nog learned a lot of stuff at Starfleet dormitories. <laughs> right. <laughs> you gotta. There's some hazing that when you get in the Red Squad. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Oh, yes. So, all right. That's that's what we're looking forward to. All right. Well, now we're moving on to voicemails and emails, right? Uh, yes, I think we are. I believed in you. 
A lot of people did. You were special. You were the one man who stood apart from everyone else. The one man who stood for justice. Now what? I'm not sure. Do we have any voicemails so. or is it just the emails? Yeah, no, we do. We actually have actual voicemails. Uh, <laughs> no, well, we've got one from Kristen, who's oh. always great. <laughs> oh, Kristen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Hey, guys, it's Kristen from Toronto. Yeah, so I followed your advice and I watched both the original series, Trouble with Tribbles, and the uh, Trials and Tribulations episode that you're covering this week. And... I think they hold up great. They're both lovely episodes. Um, Trouble with Tribbles is one of the most enjoyable original series episodes to watch, hands down, I think, uh, because it, um, it's got a lot of plot going on for, for one hour or less of television, so it moves at a really good fast pace, and it's just a nice little clockwork plot of an episode, and it's fun and not too serious. And, uh, yeah. Um... And Trials and Tribulations, I just think, is is great. It's so well done, and it's clever, and it's, yeah, it it's obviously comes from a place of love and respect for the Star Trek universe as a whole, but it also honors and develops the characters of Deep Space Nine. Like, there's that part where Dax is commenting on how sexy she finds Spock, and that's both, like, Star Trek fans think Spock is sexy for some reason, and... Dax finds weird-looking people sexy, like that guy she dated who had the transparent skull. So just little things like that. And there's a really cute moment, like blink if you miss, and you and you'll miss it with Morn, guy with his arms full of triples at Quark's bar, murmuring to them. And it's just like they just did such a good job at bringing the two eras and universes together. But it is true that a lot of the things that people don't like about Discovery, including you guys and myself, um, are present in Trials and Tribulations. And it's like they took the the letter, they followed the letter of the law and not the spirit of the law. Without that spirit of, uh, like, love and deep knowledge, the deep knowledge you only get by doing something a whole lot, the kind of deep knowledge that the Deep Space Nine writer's room had of Star Trek as a thing, as an environment, um, they just don't have that on Discovery yet, or maybe they never will, and... Maybe part of it comes from this desire that is usually a good instinct, which is to follow through with the consequences of things. Like um, Arne Darvin, who's the Klingon disguised as a human in uh, both Deep Space Nine and TOS episodes about Tribbles. Um, he's a kind of Scooby-Doo villain, like he doesn't have a really good plan in either way. And uh, he gets unmasked and he's like, I could have got away with it if it weren't for you crazy kids. And then he tells them their, his plan in Trials and Tribulations. His character doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, with, with Ash Falk on, on Discovery, they went a lot more kind of the body horror, mystery, psychological, not psychological thriller, but that, like, I'm going crazy storyline, right? Which mm -hmm. is a lot more realistic, like, if that actually happened to you, if you actually had this radical surgery and personality transplant to turn yourself into another being, not even another person, but another creature altogether... Of course it would make you like that. It would totally drive you crazy and lead to all these these horrible things in your life. But that's not what we want from Star Trek, right? So it, it, it hits really wrong, even though they're trying to do something which is usually a good writing principle. Um, but uh, yeah, oh, I also watched the animated series Tribble episode, um, More Tribbles, More Trouble or something like that. 
And it's it's it holds up about as well as the rest of the animated series, which is not very well. It's kind of boring, but uh, there's giant triples in it, and uh, that's about all. So yeah, heartily mm-hmm. recommend these two triple episodes. Um, and yeah, maybe they just we just yeah, Discovery just doesn't get it yet, and I don't know why. All right, good night, guys. I didn't even realize of that there was mm-hmm. a animated triples episode. Well, I may have seen that one the most. Okay, oh, yeah. so one summer I had to go to a YMCA for like for daycare, and like I think every day we watched a Star Trek a, a TAS episode. Oh, really? And so I'm I I'm more familiar with the <laughs> cartoons the most. I mean, not like I don't remember plot points because I was five, and you know you don't right. remember plot when you're five. But I remember the tri- Tribbles episode. I was more, f- I'm, I've seen that one more. I mean, yeah, I've seen it more than I've seen in my life, more than the I've seen the uh, TOS episode. I remember that, yeah, the the animated series would come on like after the monkeys or or maybe it was after Lancelot Link, Secret Chump. Oh, oh yeah. my God, all of those. <laughs> oh my God, I haven't thought about Lancelot Neither Link I. in forever. Oh my yeah. God, yes. Yeah, so that, but I think I watch. I would watch the monkeys, and I'd watch Lancelot Link. But I was like, yeah, that this yeah. cartoon sucks, and I changed well, the that channel. That must have been the same block <laughs> I watched on, like Nick at Night or something. Oh, it's on Nickelodeon during the day. Nickelodeon, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think about like the monkeys seemed like an old show when we were when I was a kid and I was watching it. But my daughter is watching the new updated uh, Powerpuff Girls. She's really into that, and it's and that was twenty. Five years ago, yeah, shit, yeah. <laughs> or something. Jeez, it was some yeah, sort of yeah. insane. Yeah. Like, it was so much further. It was so much further in the past than the TAS episodes were from when I was watching them when I was a kid. Yep. So yeah. yes, yeah, make you feel uh, old. Yep. But uh, all your other points were pretty good. Yes, too, Kristen. We <laughs> yeah. always yeah. enjoy the insights. <laughs> yeah, and I go back to I'll I'll go back to the uh, I think it was analysis I made in one of the Discovery podcasts where it is that the problem with the Discovery and how they do things is they go. They're not nerds, so they're so they have a bro. Like they're probably not bros, but they have a bro mentality of the cu- culture. Well, they like this and this and this, you know. And it's like I don't like Doctor. I know Kristen likes Doctor Who because she's mentioned it, but like I, I was not a big Doctor Who fan. So if I was going to like write a Doctor Who script, I would go like, oh, Tardises and Sonic Screwdriver. Like I would name all this the basics. You know, but I wouldn't have like a love of the lore or knowing how to shape it into a story right. where that's Ronald D. Moore and Renee Ashavaria clearly had that. They clearly had like a protectionist love of Star Trek lore where uh, these these discovery folks are just like, you know, what's what's they they, they flip through the, the I don't Star know. Trek encyclopedia yeah. and go put that in there. Put uh, that in there. I, th- I think I'll give them the benefit of the doubt that say that most of them have the love of the lore but they're just working under different dictates where it's just not able to be executed it's like oh we love having that shit thrown in there but we don't want to build a story around it because we've got these dictates to make it all transformers yeah and then you just get easter eggs yeah yeah and yeah but we don't need to get what that. It, we have we have one more email i mean uh not email voicemail right uh actually yeah we have we actually have oh, two okay uh, here we have a voicemail from Greg from North Carolina. Hey, this is Greg from North Carolina. So about trials and tribulations, you guys actually supplied the missing police for the Nerd Corner uh, debate that you had later in the episode. You didn't mention it. 
which is triples. Uh, so Darwin, you know, McCoy scans him in the DSN episode. He just goes, you're a Klingon. In the original episode, he goes, hey, your heart rate's weird and your temperature's too high. You're a Klingon. But here's the thing that happens before that is that Kirk holds out the triples and they keep freaking out. In other words, Bones isn't discovering he's a Klingon. Bones is confirming he's a Klingon. Without the triples freaking out, he would have been like, oh, your heart rate's too high and your temperature's elevated. I'll have to check you out to make sure you're not having Rigelian fever or something like that. But instead, it's, hey, triples freak out at Klingons, freak out at this guy. These are telltale signs of an infiltrator, and it fits with the triples thing. So he's a Klingon. In other words, the whole thing you said about, yeah, you know, in Discovery, they have the triple, but they make sure it's never around when Vok or Ashbok is eating. Well, that's what would have maybe led Colbert to go, huh, the troll freaked out at him. And there's this weird stuff going on. So, yeah, I think this guy might be a Klingon. Now, he might have gone, that's never been heard of before, but we know that Klingons and Tribbles hate each other. Versus Bones is going, yep, Klingon, seen it before. But I think that really settles it. Um, and I feel bad defending Discovery when they've got a lot of sins to pay for, but I think that would explain why Colbert didn't realize it. Not because he's bad and not because the equipment is bad and not even because Darvin doesn't have the chip that Buck did but because he didn't have the Tribble to give the indication. That's it. Episode's good. Don't have much to say about it beyond that. Bye. Now, I'm going to ask, is there actually a scene where uh, Clem Fandango is with a Tribble? No, that's his point. No, that, that's... That's the point of his call. Are we? That's the point I've made over and over again. Is that, But he's that, in Lorca's office quite a I, bit. I know. They, and conv- every time... To- oh, don't give me... That was... You didn't read my Medium article, James. <laughs> I did. I did. I don't remember <laughs> the, this stuff. I the, remember you saying that it's... The, my whole point was that every time he's in that office, the Tribble is miraculously gone. And it's, it's that's the biggest fuck you of all. Like, oh, wait, we know that this Tribble can't be here or it'll go off. But since it can't go off, we have to make sure it's conspicuously absent every time. For no reason, because they don't even say, look, a Tribble. But anyways... That's some uh, good nerd, nerd cornering there, Greg. Oh, yes. But, but actually, but I will uh, counter your nerd corner. It's also brought up in the Trouble of Tribbles. They don't know that Tribbles go off against Klingons until the Trouble of Tribbles, which is 10 years after Discovery. So <laughs> they don't know enough about Tribbles in Discovery for the Tribbles to be a thing to know that happens with Klingons in Discovery. It would just been something else to find, but... Yeah, I don't know. I'm enjoying this like an inconclusive test after a cancer remission. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was out of the woods. Yeah. Nope. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. But your your overall point stands about that's how Bones. I, I agree with you. Hmm. But I don't know if Colbert could have figured that out because it's not common knowledge in his era. <gasps> um, Actually, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to everybody. Uh, but... Thank you for the call, Greg. It's good analysis. Anybody, any, anything else? No. All right. Thanks a lot. Okay, we got one more here. One more call here from Bucky with the good hair. All right. Hey, guys. Bucky with the good hair here calling for the Rules of Disco Home podcast and the episode Trials and Tribulations. Short of the long I like the episode quite a bit, and I'll go into why at the end, but I wanted to first talk about Star Trek The Franchise's seeming decision to commit to nostalgic fan service and Easter eggs versus telling new standalone stories. 
James, what you said about the age of some fans really resonated with me. So a hearty high five to you on that. Here's the long of the long. If nostalgia is the direction Trek wants to go, uh, fine. I'd rather it didn't, but things are what they are, and I'm willing to watch a new Trek that I know is nostalgia just because it's new Trek. However, I'm over Kirk, Spock, and the original series. I'm hashtag so over it. As a 30-year-old and through-and-through 90s baby, I was baptized by TNG, confirmed by Deep Space Nine, and proselytized Voyager. If we want to be honest, TNG was always bigger and better than the original series. I'm not sorry. Star Trek's best 10-year period was from January 1st, 1990 to December 31st, 1999, when you had three shows, four movies, and a Vegas exhibit happening at the same time. Remember, one of those shows launched a new primetime TV network. Those shows, whatever their flaws, and they've all got them, really do capture the optimism of the 60s with important contextual updates. In some ways, they do the social stuff of the original series way better, as we'll see with Deep Space Nine's sixth and seventh seasons. The 90 shows are now the age the original series was back in 96. So if Trek is committed to nostalgia, then good goddammit, give me my childhood nostalgia. Service the most successful period of your existence. Hell, you could serve us both by showing us what the fuck happened in the 80 years between Kirk and Picard. Look to episodes from TNG like Tapestry and Yesterday's Enterprise. I like Trials and Tribulations because it's Trek's self-love at its best. It's a story everyone knows and loves with the fun, here's how our team fits in, spin. Dax is a knockout. Bashir and O'Brien have terrible hair on purpose. Cisco looks sexy in that yellow, and Worf nails the Klingon thing. I love that explanation because it's a great break the fourth wall. Hey, audience, fuck you guys. We got more money to do made-up aliens. Leave us alone. Hell, the fact that the special effects today look corny is, in a funny way, the best way to honor Star Trek. The whole thing's a hoot. If this is the kind of style Trek we're going to get in the 21st century, I hope CBS uses this episode as a blueprint, but not for more TOS stuff. Thanks, fellas. Everybody find me on Twitter at BuckyWTGoodHair. Peldar Joy, folks. (laughs) Yeah. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> yep. He's very uh, insightful and yeah, he's got a great point about yeah. like, I mean, it's just basic knowing your audience type stuff. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, he's arguing that we, we may have asked the question is, is nostalgia really enough to sell a show on? I think Bucky's like, yeah, it is. It's just, they picked the wrong nostalgia. Right. Like, yeah. Which, yeah. You have to get this stuff. I, like I, nobody gives a shit about TOS as much as they think they do. And yeah, if they did. Yeah, some of us would be like, yeah, do yeah, this it's shit. A, it's a, it's a weird dedication to a, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think it comes from like a, like, yeah, it comes from them not understanding who they're making television. Yeah, it's something we asked oft, all the time during the season. Like, who is this for? Yeah. Which is the fatal flaw is that they're not making television shows for themselves, which I think where good writers always come from. Right. I mean, Vince Gilligan made a show he wanted to see. Right. You know, David Chase made a show he wanted to see. And I know that's hard when you're working inside these big franchises, but I think for as controversial as it was for some God fucking reason... Uh, Ryan Johnson's The Last Jedi was a, a Ryan Johnson movie that he wanted to see and a Last Jedi movie. Now, that's hard to do, you know. And so I, I in that way, the writer's room, like Wade's always defended, is that they've been up against a 
bad concept dictated by corporate. But that's not a reason to watch the show. That's a reason to not watch it. So Right. Well, I, they, I want to make a show that my boss, Alex Kurtzman, wants to see, which is what <laughs> Lev wants yes. to see. And also, I want to make the show that... uh well, no, not the show that I want to see, but I want to make the show that all the Star Trek fans want to see. So that's why we're throwing in all this other stuff, like all these Easter eggs and stuff, because that's what people want to see. They want to see the Enterprise. So, oh, we're going to do that, too. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Oh, the show I want to see. Um, well, I want to see a love story between. Uh, oh, but uh, but they tell me I have to fridge the gay guy or something. I don't know what. Yeah. I, well, I still don't know what decision they were trying to make there because yeah. I. I do believe that they wanted to see a show with representation and they really do care about that stuff. Just like, I don't know, man. <laughs> and that's the, and that, and it was sort of, I just brought, I mean, since we're going to talk about discovery for a couple more minutes, um, <laughs> we can make uh, it, uh, keep it short. We don't have no, to, but I did. Have this, let's get it out of our system for this, this, uh, tribulations when maybe we'll be done for it. This week I did start watching American, gods uh the brian fuller show that he made for for stars Mm -hmm. based off neil gaiman's book right now is yada 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 and uh my feelings on the show are are complex and 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 then it's not like you know it's not like totally for me uh but sure it um is clearly made by a guy with a vision yeah, that no one told him not to do, <laughs> and, and and so I think there's been a lot of bitching and moaning about Fuller and throwing Fuller under the bus, and maybe rightfully so. Like he gets fired a lot or leaves shows a lot, so maybe he's I don't know, but his shows have a distinct Brian Fuller vision to them, and that's something that like you realize it was it was just so strange coming off of discovery and all of the stuff about Brian Fuller and, and his relationship to it. And it was, it was so starkly felt so starkly different and so much more confident and so much better and, and so much more intriguing, you know, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't think that's the source material. I love Neil. I love Neil Gaiman before 1995, <laughs> 1996. I don't know. I still but enjoy like, a lot of his work. Even post American gods, but yeah. my kids love Coraline. Um, yeah. but I don't, I mean, I like a lot of his work, I wouldn't say I love a whole lot of it. That's mm. yes. yeah, so but I mean, it's um, uh, so I I don't think, I mean, if you're if you're wanting to blame Byron Fuller, it's not, it could be him, but I don't think it is. No, and he and he does make his show, and he made his show for NBC at the same damn feel and power to it than American gods did. But way less uh, explicit homosexual sex, which which maybe Star Trek needs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. As much as I love the relationships that they gave us before they uh, killed it, literally. Mm. There's not not any of that uh, deep dicking that we got on American Gods. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so one of the characters started, you can only cut this because it's really gross. But one of the gay, gay guys uh, is having sex. And he turns transparent, and the other guy shoots fire up in him. Like, I know, burst, it's awesome, right? Burst fire, like he's a jijin, he's a fiery freak. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course it's. Yeah, co- but he, he, but they, they, they make him transparent so that you can see his fire come. It's pretty wild. I know. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I was like the, I was like, I was like, 
I've never seen this before on a TV show, <laughs> <Yeah>. motherfucker. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I was like, oh, you know what? Kudos for, for going. They, <laughs> like, also, oh. they gave, also, the uh, first TV show I've ever seen with an erect penis. Yeah. yeah Freddie yeah. Rumson, Rumson has a, a full razor <laughs> in one of the scenes. So uh, It's weird that they... The genie, you don't see, you don't see his full rager because it was t- what fifteen inches long. <laughs> so yes, all right. Well, that's it for this episode. Should we give everybody? Uh, <laughs> I don't know where to go from there. Should we give everybody their the information to get a hold of us? Oh yes, yes. <laughs> if you want to, uh, any file any complaints or grievances or. Mm-hmm. The opposite of that, uh, mm-hmm. which would be... If you uh, want to talk more about Bill Murray's brother's erect penis, we're the podcast <laughs> for you. <laughs> uh, sure. Yeah, so give us a call at 917-408-3898 to talk about all things... All things. Yeah. <laughs> DS9 mm-hmm. or whatever uh, related or whatnot. We'd love to hear from you. So give us a call there, 917-408-3898. Or record something and send it to us at our email at rules of acquisition podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can record a little audio file and send it to us there. And if we got time, if it's not too well, we'll make time if it's great. Anyways, you can do that there if you're international and you don't want to give us a call because of rates or whatever. You can do that as well. And I'm rambling now. <laughs> Also, if you like the show and you want to support us, you can go ahead and do that financially over and also get things out of it by going to our Patreon at patreon.com slash kickers of elves. Got a whole podcast series on Dune and much more. So you can do that if you want to support the show. I will love you forever, or at least until you stop paying us money. Or no, I understand that everybody can pay money too that's fine i'm not gonna get butthurt over it but if you want to patreon.com slash kickers of elves uh, i'll shut up now all right well thanks again for listening to another episode of the rules of acquisition for james wade and myself three to beam out do you know the cunt weasels that run this show have a call in line where you can express your DS9 wishes and DS9 dreams into their ear holes they will play them on air and try to be nice to you because one day they hope to sell you Blue Apron snacks and underwear made out of Modal. The number is 917-408-3898. That number again is 917-408-3898. You will probably want to talk about how hot Dax and Bashir are. That is great. These pretentious asses also love it when people say they are wrong. So feel free to do that. James will probably go off on a knowingly obtuse rant about construction issues or political sophistication. We know you love that. Again, 917-408-3898. Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? Please review us on iTunes. We need to feel loved sometimes.